Ladies and gentlemen, a very good evening and a warm welcome to the Red and Blue Review. My name is Nick Philpott. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. Joining me tonight, uh, first of all, up in the top right-hand corner from the Brady Bunch, we've got Greg Ellis. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, Nick. How are you? Oh, good, buddy. All good. Bottom right-hand corner of the Brady Bunch, we've got Fergus Tid all the way back down from Newcastle. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Nick. Yep, hope everyone's well. And waiting for him to unmute for the Echo. Mr. Echo, Gel Holio, the wingman. How are you, mate? Uh, I was about to say something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, really good, thank you. Evening, all. Good stuff. Good Coming stuff. up on the show, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking about uh, Sam Johnson's new contract, uh, the FAB. That's nothing, not a Thunderbirds uh, reference. We're going to be talking about yesterday's game, of course. News on the newsstand, if you haven't heard it. Lots of stuff about the Palace ladies uh, and some up-and-coming fixtures. But before we get into all that, simply go to the Red and Blue Review.co.uk where you can find all of our podcasts that we've done. And boys, you've done a few with us now. And how many have we done in the past? I've got no idea. There must be a couple of hundred on there. Greg, you're more of an expert on it than I am. Yeah, crikey. Uh, it's, it's probably about six years worth now, isn't it? Maybe, maybe seven years. So it's, it's a lot. And also some great interviews with John Solarco, uh, four-parter from Steve Cobble, uh, obviously with Jim Cannon. Jim will be back with us, I believe, next week. I know he's busy tonight. Um, please like and sh- subscribe on our YouTube channel. Really important. Please like and subscribe again on our YouTube channel if you haven't all done, already done so. I can see all, all your evening alls coming through in the chat. Um, and again, before I move on, I just want to talk touch on our Instagram channel, okay, our Instagram page run by the talented uh, Tom Clark Samuel. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're not on it, got not uh, liked our Instagram page, please do so because he works tirelessly for it. And there you are, look at that, as if by magic he pops up on screen. Uh, Instagram, I think it's red underscore, blue underscore, review underscore, co.uk or something like that. I don't do Instagram, but if, you, if you're on Instagram, please give me a I like this and the subscribe. So that's the introductions. Coming on to the uh, first part, I want to talk about the great news, and I think it's really good news, is the fact that uh, Sam Johnson has put pen to, or is about to put pen to paper on a new contract, which will see him uh, valid until June 2027. So that'll give us two very good goalkeepers, Super Jet, Sam Johnson in goal, Documents, I understand this is from Fabrizio Romano on Twitter. So it looks as though it's pretty close to being uh, done and dusted. Uh, and there is an option, apparently, for a further year after that. Um, all the details will be, uh, paperwork will be signed early this week coming. And so it's something I've been advocating. Uh, I'm going to come to you first, uh, Greg, if you don't mind. It's something I've been advocating for many a moon. What we need in the Premier League is two competitive players for every position one through to 11 we finally got it covered because we know that we're desperately short of players right the way across the squad okay but we finally got it cracked in the goalkeeping department your thoughts mate yeah look definitely you need to you need to have uh, good strength in depth in all positions and i know there's been a lot said about the value of the transfer of henderson um and admittedly not so great that he's sort of injured immediately so uh, i guess that brings remy matthews into the the four i guess um but having having two players of comparable quality to interchange that's dream dreamlike scenario so that can only be a good thing so yeah i'm all for it nick 
Joe, it's something you and I have been advocating for so many years, and it's, it's, I know it, we're making it sound easier than it is, but to have a, a good cover in both departments, in one department, is crucial in it. And I think the classic example of that yesterday was uh, with Tyreek Mitchell. Uh, good news on the Sam Johnson front? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, we've had that for, for a couple of years anyway, because, you know, when Guaita was number one before he for his toys out of Bram, um, you know, Sam Johnson was was two. So um, even though he hadn't had much exposure and we didn't really know how good he was. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it's just all it's, all it's doing, it's just it's just making things rock solid. And, you know, if we're, we're led to believe that, that, you know, most of Europe are after our players, um, you know, if they come calling for him, at least we'll get we'll get good money. So um, if if it, if it nothing else comes good of it, um, you know it's decent backup and uh, and good and good uh, sell on value. I'm going to Ferg. I'm coming to you now because I'm going to touch on yesterday's travel carnage. For those that you don't know, that all the guys and girls wherever they were coming from, King's Cross was closed for temporarily in the morning and closed all evening last night. Uh, I know Paul down in, uh, uh, down in Plymouth didn't make it. He, he got turned back at uh, Birmingham. Uh, Nigel, I know you're down, mate. Uh, I can see you all out in the chat. Even Noble's out there. Can I, first of all, congratulate Ian, Ferg, and all the guys that made that trip yesterday in atrocious... Oh, didn't you not go, Ferg? I, I didn't go, no. No. I, I didn't realise you were plastic. I'm sorry. Uh, no, seriously, uh, all the guys that made that trip, I'll take my hat off to you because, I mean, that was, that was carnage yesterday. Um, I know you spoke, You must have spoken to Ian about it yesterday, Ferg. So your thoughts on the, the atrocious travel and stuff that we went on yesterday? Yeah, I mean, you can only admire the, the supporters yesterday. Like you said, absolute carnage on the trains. The weather must have been horrific. Um yeah, and, and and to be honest with you, like you know, watching the game, you could hear the Palace fans singing. Even when we were four 0 down, I think they were singing the Sam Johnson song. You know, it was yeah, just fantastic support yesterday. Yeah, I watched it on the stream, and I, you know, again, fair play to them. I'm not too sure about the uh, the flag that was put up by our fans. Uh, the, yeah. I don't know if it's the right type. Jill, fill your boots, mate. Did Paul Bristow get there in the end? I know I saw some stuff on Facebook where he said, I think eventually he had to give up. But it was a bit of a shame, really, because of all the people that travels, you know, week in, week out. Yeah. Even yeah. A, home game, a home game is the equivalent of, a, of an away game when you're coming from Plymouth every time. So, um, In fact, but, just messaging, Joe, there are still uh, no trains from Birmingham to Newcastle even tonight, 24 hours later. Um, so, Paul, good effort, mate. I know you went up on Friday. You stayed in the hotel on Saturday and couldn't get any further. Turned around and came home again. So, uh, yeah, great effort, everybody. Uh, shame the uh, result wasn't anything to write home about. Now, we're going to talk about FAB. As like I said at the top of the show, this is not a Thunderbirds abbreviation. It's called the Fans Advisory, Advisory Board, FAB. In March, uh, we announced that the club were committed to establishing a new formal body uh, for support or engagement, where important issues can be discussed with senior club officials. Now, the voting has already begun on this, and I want guys, I want to touch to you on. Obviously, we have a representative from the Red and Blue Review 
who I'm delighted to say Tim Richards has been shortlisted for that. There's a lot of people that did get chopped, including some quality candidates like Grant Saunders and that's what who got chopped and didn't make the shortlist. Tim, congratulations on behalf of all of us on the show that you did get uh, shortlisted. The voting process, I don't know if any of you are familiar with the voting process, but it just seems so cockeyed. So it, there's there's about four different categories, uh, season ticket holder, uh, away traveler, gold members, and so you can only vote for a candidate, okay, in the category that you fall under. So for example, Nick Philpott is a season ticket holder, okay? I can only vote for the candidates that fall within the season ticket candidate, uh, uh, section. So I can't vote for Tim Richards. It's just, if, if you're a gold member, you get to vote for Tim Richards. I just, Ferg, to you, mate, I don't understand the logic behind the voting system. Do you? No, I don't. And I'm the same as you, season ticket holder. And why would you be a gold member if you're a season ticket holder? You've invested more money in the, in the club. So you should be able to, uh, well, it should be an open vote, really. I don't know why they've divided all up into different sections but yeah I've, I've, i'm not able to vote for tim because i'm a season ticket holder it's crazy yeah yeah you greg you'd think that yeah with the red and blue family with all the listeners people who watch the show we, we could easily come on here and say okay guys let's chuck our support behind tim but do you actually know a gold member a gold member within the club because i don't <laughs> um to be fair I, I always used to be a gold member um up until recently, but because of my kids and my family situation, it's difficult for me to get to games. So I, I used to be a gold member. Um, but prior to that, obviously a season ticket holder. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not even a member at the moment. So I know that's pretty poor, but um, you know, I'd like the opportunity to get to games, uh, but you know, my kids are still small, but no, I don't know any gold members. And, and yes, yes, hi yes, I hope you're well darling. She just makes a good point in the chat. She said, apart from Tim Richards, she doesn't know anybody that are the listed and shortlisted candidates. It's just bizarre. You know, the people the people that you think would stand a good chance and would be high profile. And another one who got chopped was Jason Cadle. Why? An ideal candidate, Grant Saunders. Ideal candidate. People that are well known around the club by the, by the fan base. And there's a, you know, I know we've got Tim in there, but apart from Tim, there are just a bunch of no-names. I don't know, what's the point in voting for somebody? If you don't know who they are, should we be surprised though, Nick, with the club? Honestly, <laughs> it's just the usual. So, Joe, you got any thoughts, mate? I mean, firstly, is it is it just going to be? You're saying there's a fan advisory board. Is it is it just one or is it a, a number? And if it is a number, how many are going to be chosen? Um, and 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 what do they? What do they get that, that that Twitter doesn't give the club every single day for free? Yeah, I mean, you just need the social media team to to filter through the Fs and Bs and stuff, and you know what I mean. And then you and and then you see stuff that well, you see stuff that that reporters just come come straight in, nick stuff off Twitter, and then report it. So, I, I, for for me. Um, it's just another, it's just another bit of bullshit, really. Uh, not to be to, to sound dismissive. Well, no, it is dismissive. I, I just think it's an exercise in in ticking boxes. Um, and and I don't see, you know, we have a we have a chairman who is so headstrong that even if everybody said, 
it's one. If he thought it was two, it's two, and that's it. So, I, for me, you know, it is what it is. I, I, I think there's far more, far more important things um, that, that should be going on than the trying to sort. And again, I, I, don't, I don't even understand the vote. I mean, there's no plastic vote, is there? You can be a Palace fan for 50 years, not be able to get there, live in a different country. You know, and unless you're throwing a bit of money at the club, well, even if you are throwing money at the club, you can't seem to vote. So, I'm, I'm, I'm literally the, the, probably the wrong person to ask Nick. In, in all honesty, well, the, I mean, uh, Nigel just said in the chat that actually uh, the voting is for one person within each category to join the advisory board. Um, this, the actual advisory board was a suggestion set up by Tracy Crouch. Uh, at the time she was the sports minister um, and she, her work with Kieran Maguire, uh, they came up with, I don't know, I think it was 40 recommendations. And one of them was to have a, a member of the fan base appointed to each board. Well, that's not what this is. This is this is just general stuff from around the club. There's not enough toilets in the Arthur Wait, But as Nigel quite rightly points out, it's one member from each of the categories, the gold membership, the season ticket member, the away and all the rest of it, gets it onto the board what they're going to discuss and what they're going to achieve only time will tell but i still think they, they could have come up with a slightly better way of doing things yeah one person i want to give my vote to and i would encourage any other gold member out there would be to our team richards who works tirelessly for the show and, and i'd love to support him and i think he would actually make a very good job of it as well you know let's face it he's, he's not the first person he's on many more than one occasion he's gone on to talk sport and argued the toss with simon um simon jordan uh, he's very articulate. He does does a great job for us, and I think he'd be ideal. Anyway, let's talk about yesterday's game, Ferg. Okay, coming into this game, Palace had only conceded 18 goals since Hodgson's return to the club in March, but they were opened up far too early from the start. Um, whilst everything stem, stemmed from Newcastle's right, the returning Jefferson Lerma and Czech Decore both looked off the pace, and I'd agree with that. Okay, in the middle too. And I also, I'd also echo that the two centre-halves have been so good for us. Hodgson will be rightly concerned with such such a damaging defeat, but there's still a rare, this is a rare enough off day for their team. Uh, with Michael Elise and Eze still out through injury, uh, they, lack, they, they lacked a real threat going forward and arguably any pressing. Okay, Ferg, over to you to cover the game if you'd be so kind. Okay, you can keep it as long or short as you like. Okay, uh, but I would like you to focus, if you didn't mind, on Lerma and Decore and Anderson and Gehi because I, th I don't think any of them particularly set the world alight. Over to you, mate. Yeah, well, you've pretty much summed up the game, Nick. To be honest with you, and when you asked me to cover it, I mean, it was pain it was painful enough watching it the first time, and then you have to watch it through again. And suffer the yeah, just it was just it yeah, you're right. It just wasn't a great game. Um, so 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 let's kick off. So as early as the fourth minute, Newcastle score their first goal. Um, and and this is this is a, a running theme. So our left, their right. I mean, they obviously exploited a weakness that um, they'd seen in our team, and we've all talked about it before. Where you know sometimes on that left hand side, Mitchell's left exposed, and if whoever is in front of him, Zaha or Hughes or Schlapp, whoever it might be, they're not if they're not working hard enough to cover back, then he, he's just exposed. And that's exactly what Newcastle did to us yesterday, down that left-hand side. 
Um, yeah, no, I'm glad you. A, a great way, to, great place to start, though, uh, because the one thing, and I hate to say what I'm about to say, and I'm going to interrupt you if you don't mind. Gel, did we miss Jeff Schlupp yesterday giving that coverage? Rightly alluded to. Depends what Jeff Schlupp turns up. If it's the one that wants to run about like a lunatic all game, or it's the one that just wants to get forward and then just chill on the way back. But the, but the thing is, and, and listen. I am not going to go after Mitchell in any way. The guy is still learning, and he he, he doesn't have he doesn't have a mentor um, at the club, it, obviously, because um, he's also told to told to um, stick tight to, to Gay because time after time, well, it's every single game when the ball goes out uh, on the right hand side, he has to then come across instead of. It's quite a wire coming across to, to challenge instead of nearly being there. And this, this, that's not his fault. He's he's coached into doing that or being told what to do so that so that the holes, you know, are, are not exposed going straight through the centre. Um, so, yeah, if, if we if we pack the, the, the four defenders within 40 yards... Um, you know, it, it gives any any team that have got wide players, um, it gives them the, the chance to, 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 to get the ball. And if and the other thing as well is, is, is if you're as good at crossing as what they were yesterday, um, you just need that little bit of time anyway. So, thank you, mate. And Lucy, that's quite right to highlight. I hadn't mentioned the lineup because I think it's actually important with Johnson, Ward, Anderson, Gigi, Mitchell, uh, Decore, Lerma, Hughes. Ayu, Matessa and Edward, uh, with um, those three players returning. I actually went into the game, whilst, before the game, I thought to myself, oh my God, we're going to struggle up there. It's going to be three or four. Okay, When I heard the team use the three of the, those players had come back and the fact that we've even got a young Franker on, Franca on the uh, bench, I was actually a kickoff. I was actually slightly more optimistic. Ferg, over to you, mate, because we know former players... Yeah, go on, Joe. Tell the truth. Tell the truth about three or four nil. You said, "Tell the truth." Come on, Nick. What he's actually alluding to, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you. I'll tell you how it is. I can't, Joe. I even cocked that up as well. I'll tell you for one minute. So, what he's alluding to is actually unusually for me, and I don't advocate uh, gambling of any description. But I actually had a bet before the game. Okay, in fact, me and him had a joint bet, and I think his was a Desmond. Uh, I put down. Yeah, two so okay. And I actually put down three nil or above. Okay, three nil or above. Jill, what you don't know, okay, is we didn't win that bet simply because what I didn't realise is attached to that bet was a uh Anderson to get booked and one of their players to get booked, and I didn't see it. Okay, and neither of them got booked. So we didn't cut even though I won the bet, okay, I didn't get it because I didn't get it right. So that's what he's alluding to, ladies and gentlemen. Ferg, back to you, mate. Yeah, all right. So so going back to the fourth minute. So there was a long ball out to Trippier, and I've got to say that, you know, the guy was, I thought he was superb for Newcastle yesterday. Um, he just dinked like a little soft volley um, into Jacob Murphy. And I'm pretty sure he was crossing the ball. I know he'll never admit it in a million years, but I think he, the, the way he was looking, he was looking to, to cross the ball and he's looped it over Johnson's head. Um, and you're thinking 1-0. I've got to be honest with you, I didn't think it was... A, Watching it live, I didn't think it was offside. But when the flag went up, I thought, well, OK, maybe a bit of luck. 
But no, we went to VAR. He was clearly onside. So after four minutes, we found ourselves one nil down. Um, and and that was the theme really throughout the game. I'll go, I'll go through all the all the goals, but we we were so exposed on the right. And you're right. It's, it's not. You're right, Joe. It wasn't Mitchell's fault. He, he he was doing his best. He was just there was two or three Newcastle players in and around him on every attack. He was just outnumbered. He had no idea who to go to. They, they, they played it so clever. I mean, we, we lost... Newcastle were the better side yesterday, but tactically, they were superb. They, they, they identified our weaknesses and they exploited them all throughout the game. Um, I, I think our first chance came in the eighth minute and it was a, a huge corner. Mateta headed wide of the post. Um, and then the 19th minute, Mitchell had a, a shot from outside the box, which, you know, he kind of caught it with the outside of his boot and it kind of looped over the over the goal, didn't test the goalkeeper. And but then for the next 20 minutes of that half, it was just it was just all Newcastle and it was attack after attack. Um again on our left hand side, Longstaff setting up Murphy again. His shot was saved by Johnson. Um Murphy beats Lerma. And uh, on our left again, crosses for Johnson. He gets a hand to it, palms it out straight to um, Gordon. And how he misses, I don't know. It would have been easier to score, I think. But thankfully, he hit the crossbar. Uh, and then again, on our left, Murphy teed up Trippier. He crossed it from the byline and Wilson headed it wide. It was just a, it was just a running theme throughout the first half. And you're just thinking, right, well, look, let's just get in at halftime 1-0. And Hodgson can have his chat. He can identify where the like you know where Newcastle are exploiting us and make some changes. But the typical Palace, not not just one goal in the last minute of the half. We conceded two. Forty um, fourth minute. Um, yeah, Wilson dropped deep into midfield. Don't know what he was doing there, but again he found Murphy on their right hand side, our left, uh, and his cross was inch perfect, and Gordon just fired in on the far, far post. Go on, Joe, did you want to say something about that? Yeah, um, I just want to cover off the second and the fourth goal. They're very, very similar in in the way that, that Newcastle targeted getting the ball over the top of, of Gay and Anderson. So for the second goal, once the ball's floated over Gay, there's a four on three in their favour. If you just get, get as soon as the ball goes over his head, freeze frame it, and you'll see four on three. And two, Hughes had given up, um, had given up chasing Gordon. I mean, he's a nightmare, Gordon, anyway. He's not an easy act, but he is very quick. And also, he's he's up there to please at the moment, being his first big season. But, um, but yeah, that, that was it was very interesting. Um, let me just preempt, and, and, and so people will know as well, is that from a very, very early cross for the fourth goal, watch how they cut out the two centre-backs. Go, go on, Ferg. Yeah, OK. So, yeah, so that was that was 2-0. They got five minutes of injury time, which I'm not quite sure where that came from, but um, you're thinking, all right, OK, 2-0. Still got, still got half a chance maybe in the second half. We're a better side in the second half anyway. And then two minutes into injury time, um, there's a long ball from the back. Gee kind of tries to control it on the 18-yard line, doesn't he? And he makes a mess of it and it just drops to Longstaff and he just strolls into the box and, and drives a, a low shot into the far corner. And we find ourselves 3-0 down 
at half time. Really, 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 really poor game. Um, poor first half. I mean, it was a poor game anyway, but really, Ferg, really poor Nigel, first half. Ferg, Nigel makes a point in the chat that had we gone in at 1-0 down at half time, um, would that have been a different set of scenarios? You know, we'd expect Roy to change it. Would, would we have got anything out of that, do you think? If I'm going to be completely honest with you, Nick, I don't think we'd have come back. I think Newcastle were just too good for us yesterday. I think Decore and Lerma coming back from injury were off the pace. You know, I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't think they were match fit um, and they've come in to start. I know they had the international break, but um, I just don't think they looked fit enough. And maybe the travelling for Anderson and Guy was just, you know, just took it out of them. I think that's a valid point as well, Joe. I'd say the other thing as well, you know, as much as we're a mid-table team, Newcastle are a very, very good side. They, they, they've been really, really good for for a couple of years now. Irrespective of the money, they were they were on their way to building a really good side. They've got two or three lads here now that are locals that have come back. Burns come in, you know. I mean, he loves. Who I know he's. I know people say, "Oh, he's Brighton and everything," but I'm telling you now. Dan Byrne walks into our side on the left hand side. At left back, he is. A, I mean, he's a. He's got pace. He's. He's a baller. He's a. You know. But they are very, very good side, Newcastle. And if you, if they won't give you a sniff, they, you know, they. Not only are the players, the manager is under all sorts of pressure now with the money that's come in because he knows that the minute they don't qualify for Europe, the minute that they they have seven or eight really bad results, someone, there'll be someone from Italy or Spain coming in for his job because that's what, you know, that's what massive money, that's what true, you know, what trillionaire money um, demands is success. They are a really, really good side. You know, every now and then we can give them a, a bloody nose, but that high press that they play for 90 minutes and with the subs that they can bring on to keep that press up, and, and the challenge for places, for the same places, is is what, without doubt, won in the game yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean Brett, Brett Kemp's got a point in the in the chat where he says their subs that came on would have started for us. I mean, he's absolutely right. And I'll, I'll come on to it a little bit later when we're covering the second half. But Before you go, before you go I'll, I'll just, I want you to cover off and finish off the game a second. I, I noticed Lindsay's out there from the DSA. Lindsay... Joel Ward's boot will be on shortly. Okay, I promise you. I hope you're well. Good, and, and hello to you and Bruce. Ferg, finish off the game, mate. Yeah, okay. So, second half. Um, early in the second half, Edward had a shot that was blocked by Lascelles. Um, and then Newcastle, um, they had a chance. Murphy crossed for Gordon. Um, but Ward managed to, to slide in and put the ball over the, over the, over the um, crossbar. So, um, prevented it from going to 4-0. But that's that same pattern, that break down, down that right-hand side where, where Wardy managed to stop it. Five minutes later, it's it's the same again. You know, Decore shoots for us at goal. Pope makes a save, throws the ball out to Trippier. Trippier down the wing to Murphy. Murphy cross, right across. Wilson's there at the back post. No one marking him. And he just slots the ball home. It was just... It was so quick. It was three passes, wasn't it? One, two, yeah, three passes, and it was in. And then suddenly we're four 0 down, and it was just, you know, it was, it was, it was 
you know, don't really want to praise Newcastle, but it was great football. And that reminds me, like, that's what Palace used to be like, wasn't it? We, we used to be a counter-attacking side. Um, well, I don't know if we still are, but we've just got so many of our attacking players out injured. It's kind of stifled us a little bit. We, we, have to, we have to just just quickly go back then and stuff PSG for one. Yes, Less I PSG are a better side than us. You know what I mean? It, it, these are not unusual. These are not unusual results for Newcastle now. They're smashing teams. But they, they, they are a serious rival because of their money. I mean, they can, the, the people think because they're owned by. You know they can have a trillion dollars thrown them or, or, or whatever amount of money. Is they can't get it all at once. This is what the, the, the in the financial fair play means that they that they need to build and build and build. And it's like probably a five to eight year project before they can start buying messing. Not not that they would do, but but the likes of the next superstars before they can give people a, you know what will undoubtedly be in ten years time a million a week. But you know that that's what that's what they'll be paying. But they can't do that for ages because it's a gradual need to build up. But we are playing against a true, you know, they are a very very good size, a really good size, and they're not where they are by fluke. You know, they really they really are. And we only had, to, like I said, we only had to be a little bit off our game, and, and, and too many of our players were off their game yesterday, and we were going to get hammered, and we duly did get hammered. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm going to let you finish off on the game, but I'd like your thoughts, please, on what you saw from Mateus Frank, Frank, Franson when he came on. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, he came on in the 70th minute for Hughes, and I thought he looked okay. He looked uh, he looked lively, looked skillful. Um, he set back Saki up, didn't he, for a chance. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping he gets a start next week against Spurs. I'm hoping that he's in that first 11 because we desperately need some sort of attacking talent. I thought Edward and Mateta yesterday were, well, not not so much. Ed, Edward had some chances. I thought Mateta didn't have a great game. Um, yeah, it was... The other, the other thing I, I noticed, um, he, he wasn't afraid to take that shot on. I know he's, he was about yeah. 30. Yeah, he had a wild shot. It went nowhere he did, yeah. But at least he had the confidence to do it. Uh, interesting that Ian Noble messaged us all earlier on saying that he met up with some of France's family uh, either up there or on the way up there, uh, a whole bunch of his family because they knew he was going to make his debut, so they'd obviously flown over. I mean, it's a great time for the kid, and then I just hope we don't heap too much pressure on the guy too soon. Uh, are you done there, Ferg? Well, I was just going to mention, like, um, <laughs> well, yeah, there was a few chances towards the end. Elman was put through, wasn't he? And Johnson made a good save. Edward's free kick, another great save from Pope. He was going in the top corner. And Pope tipped it away, uh, and then Francis, you know, his little his little dink through, and Maxaki had that shot, and it was blocked by Shaw, I think. Um, but I, I wanted to come on to substitutions because, cool. you know, we brought on Franca and Ozo, Newcastle brought on Liveramento, Tonali, Almiron, Isak, and Anderson, and that just goes to show you just how good Newcastle are to be able to bring on. Those substitutions, Those substitutions, that's the gulf between us and Newcastle. We, we have to accept that now. But that, that, is, that is the point, um, Ferg, is that they are genuinely first-team players. They're not yeah. fringe players. Yeah. This, is, this is what... Do you remember Chelsea when they, when they built that squad probably about 10 years ago and every single player 
players were getting upset because they weren't playing. And whoever the manager was at the time said, look, you are all first-team players, and it's not a case of someone playing better than, than it. But if I need you to come in, I need you to come in at a standard that's equally as good as what, and that's what Chelsea, that's exactly what Newcastle are building now. You know, when you can when you can bring that exact on, I mean, he is, he's going to walk into a lot of good sides. To, again, Tonali, whether he backs himself a score yesterday, I, I don't, I don't know. But um, <laughs> no, you know what I mean. It's, they, they're bringing on quality, and that's the thing. That's what we, that, that, uh, you know, it, that's what we need to aspire to. Is is you know maybe not in 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 such even if we just get decent players, which I, which I think we've got. Um, but we just haven't got enough of them. I mean, when we've got full squads, we'll, we'll compete with these sort of teams. But, you know, at the moment, we've, our two most attacking players out injured long-term. Um, well, just not so long-term, according for Elise, apparently. Um, Greg, anything from the chat, mate? And uh, Rob Donovan, I did see your message. Uh, Joe nicked your joke. I did, I did, the point was <laughs> taken that he stole your joke, OK? And, yeah, and cheers to you as well, mate. Um, Greg, anything from the chat, mate? Yeah, I'll just, I'll just run through uh, a few of the viewers tonight. So we've got Daniel Garlic, Mark Callahan, Joan Wells, Paul Holden, Tony Quinn, Paul Bristow, uh, the wonderful Ian Noble, Nigel Croucher, Rob Cranfield. Um, and uh, Tim is also uh, in the house. Um, good luck, Tim, with your uh, FAB uh, application. Uh, I hope it goes well. Uh, Paul Glantz as well. Um, yeah, there is a few questions um, that have been raised. There was one by Tim, which was uh, with regards to will Roy see out the season? I think that's a, it's an interesting question, isn't it? I don't know if that's uh, more reflective of Tim's opinion or whether that's probably like a genuine thought. Is, you know, will, will Roy be under pressure? Um, I think... Uh, yeah, going back to what you said about France, there's been there's been some chat uh, among a few people about will he or won't he start on Friday. A lot of people don't think he will. Um, I think my my two pence on on the on the squad at the moment is uh, that's that's the golf. That's that's what that additional money brings you. That brings you. That's the leap that that you make into Champions League football. And I think it shows where Palace are and aren't. You know, and and I think. It, it can be frustrating for us as fans and to get on the board's back. I, th I think certainly knowing that Blitzer and Harris have bought, you know, the Washington Commanders for however many million, you know, it's it's where, where their focus is, you know, and, and perhaps they're more interested in just having a mid-table Premier League side. Maybe that maybe that satisfies their um, Premier League appetite. I don't know. But in, in order to be in those championships, Sorry, in those Champions League places, you know, these are big, big signings that you need to make. Um, we know there's a lot of uh, prospect with that Isaac, but it seems to me we Palace are more focused, I think, on buying players to improve and sell on. And if you look at the players that Newcastle are signing, they're not doing that. They're buying proven quality, albeit at probably a marked up price. But, you know, that that's they, they are going to be title challengers in in a season or three thank you mate right i would like to touch on joel ward's boot for those of you who missed it last week uh ladies and gentlemen the dsa that do so much 
wonderful work for the uh, Disabled Supporters Association at the club. One of them is watching us tonight, as you know, um, CPFC Disabled Supporters Association. Joel Ward, sign boot, silent auction. The, this auction closes on the 12th of November, 2023 at 9pm. Open to everybody, bids are to be sent to info at cpfcdsa.org. That's info at cpfcdsa.org. The starting bid is £250. Now, you, what you've got to realise is that, that is the current club captain. That is the long-term servant of our club. If you'd like to be involved and you'd like to support the DSA, a, join them as a member because they'd love to have you as a member. Um, and you don't have to have a disabled family member or anything like that. Just join them. Log on to them. Send, tell them Nick sent you. Okay, and uh, become one of their members because the more members they get, the more support they get. So please, please, please do that. Have a chance of winning Joel Wall's boot, side boot, silent auction, and it ends on the 12th of November. And we will be doing that every week. So uh, what size feet does Wardy have, says Mark Callahan. Uh, yeah, it, it looks as though they're the size of a tennis racket, don't I? I think you're quite right, mate. Okay, thank you, Luce. Um, right, so how have the other teams gone since our last show? The under-21s haven't had a match since our last show. Uh, their next match is the Premier League International Cup versus Monaco, Tuesday, uh, Tuesday the 24th of October at the VBS Stadium. Um, Saturday, the 21st of October, the English, eight, sorry, the under-18s Premier League Cup, Newcastle United, was postponed uh, for obvious reasons. Um, and the ladies, I'm going to come on to the ladies in a minute because they had a game today against... Uh, Charlton Athletic, which was a, a, a defeat, sadly. So, and you can see that on screen. On the loan watch, how have our loan players done this weekend? No match for Boateng uh, and Dundee against, uh, sorry, against Aberdeen. The waterlogged pitch, no surprise there. Killian Phillips played it until the fifth minute of stoppage time for Wickham in a 2-2 draw against Peterborough United. Owen Goodman played the full 90 minutes for Colchester, letting in two goals in a 2-1 home defeat against Harrogate Town, if I can get it out. Kofi Barmer played a full 90 minutes for Port Vale and was booked again in the 45th minute in a 0 draw away at Stevenage. John Kamani Gordon came on in the 65th minute for Cambridge United in a 1-0 away defeat to Cheltenham Town. And lastly, Luke Plange came on in the 78th minute for Carlisle in a 1-0 away defeat at Portsmouth. Bloody hell, is there anybody that actually won this weekend? Right, some good news, and I'm going to find the paperwork shortly, okay, because I've got it underneath all this lot here, so you're going to have to forgive me while I rifle through, is um, our ladies' manager, our new ladies' manager, would you just bear with me, her name is Kaminsky, I can't remember her first name, I've got it, it's all my paperwork around the wrong way, um, she has, uh, Laura Kaminsky has been awarded the Barclays Championship Manager of the Month trophy for September, by the League Managers Association panel. Crystal Palace have made an outstanding start to the 23, this is the ladies, of course, 23-24 under Kaminsky's stewardship. In September, seeing them defeat Birmingham 2-1 at St Andrews, they then recorded a uh, their biggest ever victory, 9-1 win uh, away, uh, sorry, at home to Durham, okay, and only a late equaliser denied Palace away victory at Sunderland at the end of September. Now, 
I wanted to spend 10 or 15 minutes talking about the ladies, especially today, especially today, because they were playing under the big top. Yes, they were away at Charlton at the Valley, okay? Uh, sadly, uh, however, so we're not going to spend too much time on it. Sadly, they came out, to, uh, they lost 3-2 away and didn't do me any favours because I've done a whole load of uh, prep work on it. The team was uh, Negri in gold, Kirsten Wiley, Hayley Nolan, Amy Everett, Polly Doran, uh, and Anna Philby, uh, Sinead Hotcroft, uh, and Annabelle Blanchard, uh, Ira Dennis, Elisa Hughes, and Molly May Sharp. Um, and as you can see, it's uh, they came, they ran out three two uh, losses. But the other thing I wanted to tell you about is the Southampton game on November the nineteenth at two o'clock is at home at Sellers Park. So Red and Blue Review family, I'm talking to all of you, not just the panellists, but the uh, people watching us tonight and listening to us on the podcast, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Get yourselves down to Sellers Park. Let's get a big crowd in it and support the girls because they are having a cracking start to the season today as an exception, of course. Uh, so well done to the girls for a good start of the season. Today was only, yes, today was only a blip as it was for the men's. So things will move on up. I'm sure they will. Right, Jill, I'm coming to you in a minute because I know you've got lots of thoughts on it. I want to talk to everybody. For those that you don't know, there was a big report produced in The Athletic this week with reference to the main stand extension. Um, and it's one of those things whereby Jill and I have always said that it will ne they'll never put a spade in the ground in our lifetime. Well, it appears that somebody actually agrees with us, okay? So the, the report, and I've got the whole report here. If you haven't read it, it's on The Athletic. I don't know whether it's done by Matt Woosnam, because I did call Matt out about something, inaccuracies a couple of weeks ago, okay? So I don't know if this was actually built by him. But first of all, the most important thing of all, Jill, is the cost of the, this build. The price has snowballed. It's ne they're now quoting £150 million. Bear in mind, we should have had, or allegedly, Parish told us that we had £100 million to build the stand, and that was ring-fenced years ago, okay? Years and years ago. Um, the, the start of the work to build this 13,500 capacity main stand and improve the other areas of the ground, which celebrates its 100th anniversary, has moved significantly closer uh, due to the relocation of the residents in whatever that name the name of the road is it was Wolsey Street is it anyway the houses behind they've all apparently they've all gone now okay so they've all moved out the athletic can also reveal reveal the palace are now in the tender process for the main contractor with a view to starting work next summer and a, an agreement between palace and Sainsbury's for the small parcel of land in the supermarket car park uh, worth several million pounds has been resolved the Mayor of London's office has deferred decision-making to Croydon Council, effectively approving planning permission. Now, Joe, it's a subject you and I covered years ago uh, when they, they first started talking about this, okay? First of all, what do you think of the price of the, the cost now, 150 million quid? Is it worth it? Do you still think that this will ever get built? I have so much that I can't say about this. Um, and and I, I, wherever, whenever this all really kicked off four or five years ago and the, the drawings came about and there was this big fanfare and 
<clears throat> and and I and I said to you that I had someone placed who said to me that he didn't think that there would there wouldn't be a stand now by twenty thirty. He what he said twenty years. He said that the old stand will still be there in twenty years. That's what he said five years ago. Um, the the way that costs have spiraled unless unless we literally um, get someone get billionaires in that are willing to spend money um, instead of just just look at us like you know we're a we're a little bit of a a prize in their portfolio. Um, then we won't we won't be able to afford. And well, saying that, saying that, we could afford because I was doing some rudimentary maths the other day. If we sell Anderson, we'll probably get forty million quid for Anderson. We'll definitely get seventy for Gay. We'll definitely get seventy to eighty for Elise, and we'll definitely get eighty, maybe to a hundred, and up that to, for for Eze. So I'm 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 assuming that that these players do go on and play really well and then get uh, hunted out by some of the... the uh, And Decore, you know, apparently interested uh, Liverpool at 70 million quid. So the the money is there, but um, if we got rid of those players, uh, we would have a, a nice shiny stand in the, in the championship without a doubt. Um, but that'd be the only way, literally the only way... Um, because because our our main investors, you can't just put a, you can't just put 150 million quid into the club. Say the stand costs 150 million because while you're you're, you're putting 150 million quid into this into it just for a stand, you also need to keep investing in the team. So so it's a never ending. You know you'd be looking at maybe I don't know 200 220 230 million if you're trying to carry on buying players between 10 and 20 million pounds like we like we have been for the last few years so we're we're in a bit of a, a bit of a situation here it's like an impasse really between our current owners um not not investing in in the infrastructure you know you can invest 25 million quid into the academy that's been done over three or four years um and, and that's amazing but as we know, we're not going to we're not going to have a team full of academy players like like Man United did. So, Joe, I, do, you mind, do you mind if I interrupt you? Because I want to talk. You, I mean, you, you've you've hit on the next set of the conversation. Okay, Ferg, I will come to you. I, I will come over to you in a second because what Joe doesn't know is there's actually a set. There's this report that I've got in front of me is a four page report saying, yeah, everything's in place. We can start going out and getting a builder. Uh, some dodgy bit geezer, Tyler's a quote for the bathroom is Jill Holyoke and all the rest of it. But the very next morning, after this was uh, printed off by, after this is announced from the Athletic, the very well-respected Price of Football uh, broadcaster, Kira Maguire, friend of the show, poo-pooed nearly every word of it. He said, hold on a minute. He said, and if you and it's out there for you to also listen to. If you don't listen to the Price of Football, I strongly recommend that you do. Because one of them, the headline was Crystal Palace uh, finances not in place. Okay, they are not in place. He said, and his words were something along the lines of, hold on a minute. And Joe's just been alluding to it, which is why I stopped him halfway through talking. It was John Texter 
can't afford the multi-club ownership that he's already got now, okay? So why would he possibly be investing in a new stand or anything to do with the infrastructure when he can't afford to pay the wages at Leon? okay? Number one. Okay, and number two, he said he's got two American investors also on board that absolutely, categorically, want out of the club. So there was talk initially of £100 million of this being ring-fenced. Joe alluded to the... um, Academy. Well, that academy wasn't funded by any ring fence money. That academy was funded by the sale of Aaron Wan-Bissaka to Man United. Okay, and that's what paid for it. That was the whole point of it. Okay, where are the funds, boys? Okay, because we've got three of the four investors don't want to do anything about it. Okay, and one can't afford to. I think that that guy is digging himself into a big hole. That Mister Texter. That's one for a, another show. Folk, you wanted to make a point. Go for it, buddy. Oh, no, I was just, you've, you've just stolen my thunder there, Nick, because we've been told, and I hope I hope it is the case, we've been told for the last, well, since 2017, when this all came about, that they had a £100 million ring fenced for this, um, and they weren't going to touch it, and the academy, like you said, was being paid for with other funds, Wambasaka sale, etc. So, in my eyes, they've got approvement, uh, uh, approval for this build, Okay, so the costs have spiralled. It's an extra fifty million. When I read the Athletic, it suggested that the investors were going to find that extra fifty million to fund the build of the new stadium. So, reading between the lines, I assumed well that hundred million pounds must still exist somewhere. Um, I've not watched the podcast, Kieran's podcast, but I will after this. Um, but if we don't have that hundred million ring fence somewhere, I want to know why they've continued to to mislead us, to suggest that they, they do have the money. And if we don't have it, where are they going to find the 150 million from? Maybe the fan advisory board can find out for us. Yeah. Get Tim, Tim onto it. Yeah, Tim, Tim, phone Simon Jordan tomorrow, mate, and find out, will you? Um, Greg, over to you, mate. I've, I've read the report. It's, it's also, I think it's quite key to mention that the the original design, they have developed the design from the original concept. So the additional cost may be down to the fact that they, they have changed, you know, somewhat their intention. I think the, the actual stand is, is moderately different. Uh, and also, um, I think some, some sort of changes to like the back of house areas. So it, it is, you know, naturally going to be more money if, if you've changed from the original design concept. So, you know, that, that's, that's another reason for increased cost. Sure. When you wrap a stand in glass, you can almost uh, anticipate it going up by between 30 and 50%. Over the last three years, I can assure everybody that if they don't know, um, the building material has gone up anything between 40 and 60%. Wood, steel, it's just everything you can you can imagine. Um, and And... I think also the one company that I, I thought we showed interest in, or show, or they showed, wasn't uh, KSS that that the the, uh, the stand at Liverpool. Um, well, they've gone now, haven't they? Have they gone? Yeah, I think have they have they not gone under? I, that that might be true. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I heard that a few weeks ago, anyway. But I mean, laser, we, the the main word that we were told. 
all, for, for the last few years is the money was ring fenced. That's that's the thing, ring fenced. You said it, Ferg, and that's a, and that's what we we we've been told by by almost everybody that can have any authority to to use that word within the club. So for me, I, I mean, I I just think that the only way we can afford that. Quite literally, the only way we can afford that is by selling players. And we'll okay. just, okay. I've got another, just thanks, mate. Um, I've got another point to, to this that nobody else has seemed to picked up on, but let's do it here first on the red and blue review. Okay. Now, my understanding is that the part of the build is to make out some other improvements elsewhere in the stadium. Okay. Number one, the gantry goes into the new main stand. Okay. Now, those of you who don't know, the Park Road stand is built down into the ground. Okay, and there is and number one, again, I've heard it this week. I don't know if it's true. It's actually now listed, even though it's a sixties built building. Part of the Arthur is listed. Okay, so they can't improve the Arthur. They can't build on top of the Arthur because of the light restrictions on the people that live in Park Road. It will never happen. It will never happen. So. Answer me this, worldwide listener audience. Why are we going to move the TV gantry from its current location? Yes, I know it causes viewing restrictions for the occupants of the Arthur. I get that, okay. But why are we going to move the TV gantry from its current location to the opposite side of the stadium, looking back at the shithole that is the Arthur Way? Why would we do that? Greg, explain it to me, please, because I don't understand it. I didn't know they were moving the gantry in all, in all honesty. Uh, so yeah, that, that's, yeah. that is news to me. Why would they do that? Um, I can only assume that in the new stand, there's just better facilities and, and that it's more sort of purpose built, you know, appreciate what we have works, but m maybe, you know, the, there's a requirement for an upgrade, new like commentary boxes. Uh, but yeah, better facilities I, I, is, is my initial thought. Central heating. <laughs> <laughs> I like to see Jonathan Pierce in jail. I'd say I'd say the other thing is, you know, the, the more that these grounds are built up and these soulless bowls are built, Sellers Park is is as as much as people want to want to rinse us about it, it's becoming quite an iconic stadium within British football um, at, the, at the higher level, and that stands um, is a throwback to a bygone era. And I can see now there are loads and loads of people, purist fans, that was apart from the gantry apart. It's dreadful the view from the back. Um, you know, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even count. I mean, I, I can't believe that we can't build something on top of it or or on the front of it. You know, I know you're taking away the facade of everything that's been done, but I mean, you know. But, but for me, for me, that that stand is 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 almost iconic. Um, it, there's nothing iconic about the about the old stand, but uh, but the new stands, you know, the Arthur Weight for me holds every every memory. You know, since I started going in in '77, I used to stand just just down from the halfway line. You know, a lot of fans will will remember when the the, the bottom third of that was was terrace. And then there was like a, an eight or nine foot wall, and then the seating went up, um, you know, to the back. But but for me, that I, I hope that never, I hope that never gets developed. Um, 
it never gets taken away because uh, I, I love that stand. You do know it's all seaters. I know you don't go very often now these days, Joe. You do know it's all seaters. Just sort of pass that on. Um, yeah, no, 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 I get that. But what I'm saying is, it, it's it, for me, it, it, you know, as a, as a as a purist, you, you're seeing more and more people saying about the atmosphere, you know, the noise that that, that, that can... It, it, the, the, the sounding sellers, if only someone had the forethought to join the, the Homesdale to the Arthur, that, the noise would have been, would, would be unbelievable. But, you know, we're, 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 some people, they get, in, they get involved with our club and it has, has happened over the last 30 years and they have these dreams um, and, and they, they are just pipe dreams, unfortunately, no matter how, how, how much money you think you've got or how determined you think you are. Um, you know, the, the, the circumstances is always is always going to come up against us. So, um, and, and in this case, and, unless unless we could beg, borrow, and steal, or sell our players, it, it ain't going to happen. But I think selling the players is is the only way forward. I, th I think I think well, restrictions allowing. I think we should make the after wait. Um, all Sorry. Say that again, Matt. I didn't hear what you said. I was going to say, I, I think restrictions, you know, within with the restrictions that they say about, we should turn that stand into an all-standing, you know, the Arthur weight. Take the seats out and make it all-standing like it used to be. Back be beautiful, in the day. mate. And Paul Glance in the chat is saying about uh, they should enclose the corners. Well, part of the new design, uh, Paul, and I hope you're well, mate, uh, is the looking from the old stand towards the pitch. Both the left-hand side of that and the right-hand side of that will be filled in with glass dome, like staircases and uh, offices. That's the that's part of the plan. So the Homesdale and the and the old stand will be linked, and the White Horse and the old stand will be linked through these through this circular glass walkway things that go up. Bit, I suppose a bit like St James's Park, the way that that goes up. Um, yeah, there's. And I understand, again, reading through some of the messages on the chat, that that question about whether the Arthur is listed is very much in debate. I didn't say it was. I just said that's what I was reading a lot of on social media this week. So if it's not listed, that's not what I was saying. I said there is word that it may be listed. Go on, Greenboy. Just looking in the chat here, it's, it's come up a few times, um, and most recently by Tony Quinn. Uh, it's saying that it's going to take a stadium sponsorship deal for 10 years to make the stand viable. I, I suppose I'm not putting the question to you guys. Um, would you would you, would you, you want to live in a world where it's called like the, the Aldi Stadium or something for 10 years if it meant, you know, if it, if, if it wasn't known as Sellers Park, you know, is that something that you could let go of in order to facilitate it? Or what's your thoughts? Yeah, before you answer that, Joe, because I want you to respond. Okay. St James's Park was the Sports what, Direct what, Arena. Nobody ever called it that. They always called it St James's Park. Yeah. Yeah, but football sells it so week in, week out. You know, we could we, we the, the the purists, the Palace fans would always call it Sellers Park. But it's I mean Arsenal, Arsenal, the Emirates, you know, they they, they did the same thing. So 
you know, it's it, it, it's it's going to take a lot of upheaval, and it's going to take a lot of what what we what we don't want to happen. Of um, you know, if if we have to sell our soul, sell our players to to move on to a to a you know a bigger and better stadium. I do get that the thing that we have to we have to make the stadium bigger, um, but for me, you know, the, the antiquated way that I look at football, I still refuse to believe. That, that the sports centre, you know, that if anything was going to happen up there, it should be blocks of flats now, but it isn't. And I still believe that 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 some that a deal can be done somehow to to develop that into in, into something so spectacular um, for our football club that it, that it that it would overcome. The, the, the NIMBYs and the, it's, it's a bit disingenuous to use the word NIMBYs because not many people would like a football stadium um, and, and 30, 40,000 people ran, ran their houses every fortnight but you know sometimes sometimes you have to have a bit of give and take and I don't think we get a lot for Sellers Park, 20 million, 30 million quid for that bit of land so um, but yeah it, it, change, change no one likes change but sooner or later it's got to happen Thank you, boys. Very interesting chat. I don't think the uh, Crystal Palace part thing is ever going to get off the ground. There's too many councils involved, and we're financially too far down the road with the redevelopment, if it ever goes ahead in Sellers Park. I always maintain Purdy Way was the best bit, but we're going to leave it there uh, because of the time. Guys, uh, I want to talk about the upcoming fixtures, just so you're not, you're aware of what's going on, because there has been a fixture change, ladies and gentlemen, if, in case you don't know. so Obviously, this Friday, we're at home to Spurs at 8 o'clock kickoff live on Sky. Uh, and then it's Burnley away. It's Everton at home. It's Luton away for about three people. And this is the one, the most important one, is the West Ham away game has been changed to Sunday, the, uh, the 3rd of December. Oh, I must be, that's my wedding, I must remember that. Uh, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, that is now live on Sky. So if you weren't aware, fixture change. West Ham away, Sunday, 3rd of December at 2 o'clock. And the last one on that list for early December, because we have got a busy fixture that's coming up. Okay, home to Bournemouth on Tuesday, 8 o'clock on the 5th of December. That can't be right. That, that's, that I think that one there must change, but that's what it's scheduled for at the moment. Okay, it's, it can't be right because we're playing on a Sunday. So that will get moved to the Wednesday night. I guarantee you that will get moved to the Wednesday night. Anyway, thank you, Lucy, for that. Um there was one other subject I was going to cover this evening. I'll, I'll, I'll hold it back for another week, and that's the current salary structure within Sellers Park because it's changed over the years. I'm not going to do that tonight. I think we're, we're going to draw a line under it there, boys. Greg, Ferg, Gel, boys, thank you for joining us this evening. That was a good, interesting chat. We'll return to cover the Spurs game on Sunday the 29th of October at 8 o'clock, of course. Please like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Tell everybody about us. We, we welcome along. I even know, because I read it earlier, there's actually a Brighton fan in our chat. So he's come from the Palace Brighton Binfest uh, Facebook group. And he's welcome, okay? It doesn't matter that he lives down there and supports that lot, okay? And he, and he has got a soldier's ball. But he looks like a box seat of a stadium. We don't care. You're welcome to the Red and Blue Review. Ladies and gentlemen, out in Facebook land or wherever you are, YouTube land, on behalf of myself, Nick Philpott, and his magnificent team. I can't do it without them. God bless. Take care. See you next week. Good night, everybody. Good night, all. Good night, all.